0: Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartome, and this is the Warrior Dads Podcast. As Warrior Dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, We need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, It's Google search away, but unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades, and it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download, and all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com, just download it, start, start implementing it and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Warrior Dads Podcast. And uh, I'm just gonna start off with saying that, uh, I'm sorry that it's taken a little while to uh, put out the next episode. Uh, I've had a lot of stuff going on in my uh, family life. Uh, All good things, but just priorities. Um, well, good and not so good things. My wife had surgery, and there was a lot of complications with that, so had to uh, had to prioritize and step up a little bit, and uh, just needed to, you know, get out. Need to put off getting out another episode until now. So I went to this past weekend. I just got back from the 21 convention in Orlando, and uh, I usually don't post a whole lot when I'm away or. Or too much while I'm away just because, um, I just don't really advertise that I'm out of the house. <laughs> so, uh, but I, if so, if you follow me on, uh, social media, then that's why you didn't see anything, but got to meet some amazing people. Uh, if you had heard, um, my interview with Anthony Johnson, he is the founder of the 21 convention, really, really great guy. Got to meet him in person, um, I've also had George Bruno on and he talked uh, or spoke at the 21 convention. Of course I've known George for a number of years now. And then I got to meet in person finally Hunter Drew and he was also a guest on the Warrior Dads podcast. All three men are doing some really really great things for men and then also specifically fathers so this convention was specifically for fathers. They were calling it the Patriarch, um, the Patriarch Edition or the Fatherhood Edition. Um, so it was really, really great. And basically this whole episode, it's going to be a solo episode, just me, but I'm going to be sharing everything with you that I took away from the 21 convention. Elliot Hulse was there. Um, so I got to meet and spend some time and talk with Elliot, really great guy. And he is actually really looking forward to coming on the show. So I'm excited to have him. He's very, very big in the health and fitness world. We have, uh, one of the same mentors, Paul Check, who I've already had on the show, which was such an honor. And so I got to talk to him and he's going to be coming on as well at some point. So I got to set that up. I actually have a lot of people lined up to be coming on. So that was really exciting. And um, but, I, but basically I wanted to make this episode about what I took away from the 21 uh, Fatherhood or Patriarch Convention and some of the things I wanted to share with you. A lot of great speakers there. Um, So I'm going to give you a rundown of who the speakers are or were and just my experience. So I brought my notebook took a lot of notes so if you hear me flipping pages in the background, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Alright, so um, I want to get right into it and I just want to pull up this picture I took of the lineup of the speakers so I'm going to start off with giving you a lineup. So I flew in on Thursday and got a chance to go to the meet and greet start about an hour after I got to the hotel and I started to get to meet a lot of the people that were going to speak and just some of the attendees. And then we got started on Friday. So Anthony, the dream Johnson opened up uh, with his opening address. And then Hunter drew was the keynote speaker. So he had an opening address as well. Then they kicked it off with George Bruno and he had a great talk. Um, you know what? No, I'll, I'll just I'll I'll, re- I'll give you a rundown of the speakers and then I'll go back. So they had Sean T. Smith, they had Hunter Drew. Uh, he spoke again after his uh, after his keynote. They had a guy known as Texas Dom, Steve D Williams, uh, Ted Williams' son. So he got a chance to speak. And then the next day they had uh, well they actually switched a little bit of things around because one of the guys uh, was a little sick and he wasn't able to speak. Uh, Tanner Guzzi, Pat Campbell, Elliot Hulse. Rollo Tomasi and Pat Campbell, Jack Murphy, Socrates, Ivan Throne. That was amazing. And, uh, then Sunday was, uh, Elliot Hulse's father showed up and him on stage and they called it the Patriarch Mass and his dad grew up in Belize. I think his name was Edmund, if I remember, yep. Edmund Hulse. And he grew up in Belize until the age of 19, until he moved to the state. So that was very touching speech and conversation and actually brought me to tears. Uh, He has a lot, a lot of love. His father has a lot of love for his family and and for Elliot. And so it was very beautiful some of the things he was saying. And then we got to see uh, something called the Red Man Group podcast was basically being filmed. And so they did three of those. I wasn't able to see the the third one because I had to catch my flight out. But uh, I got to see the first two and different panels of speakers, uh of people on the podcast and they recorded it live and streamed it on YouTube, so that was really cool. And then uh each day they had workshops. Um so that was really cool too, to kind of break out into the workshops with some of the guys and then they had three or four different workshops going on a time. And not from the speaker. well some of the, some of them were the speakers and some of them were just people that showed up to uh, talk about their expertise or, you know, what they do. And again, it's all geared towards fathers. So it's a, it's how to, how to make fathers better, how to just improve yourself. And so of course I love that kind of stuff. And the one workshop I went to the first day was on self-defense. It was from Rich Graham, who was an ex Navy SEAL. And he actually knew or knows Dom Rosso, who I had on the show. And that was a really great interview and they know each other and they do very, very similar things. That was really great to meet and talk with him. And there's some things that I wrote down from that too. So now I'm going to get into it. And these are all my notes uh, that I took. So Hunter Drew, uh, that was a really good speech. And he said, if you don't instill things in your children, someone else will. And you might not like it. And I thought that was a really good point because, you know, and I'll try to give you as much context as I can without being too long-winded. But some of the context there were... Kids watching YouTube videos, kids seeing things on social media, kids learning things in school, whether it's from their peers or whether it's from their teachers. And it's just, you just really never know what information they're being exposed to and what they're getting. So it was just food for thought. You know, if you don't instill things in your children, someone else will, and you might not like it. So, <coughs> excuse me, that's really important. And it's the underlying message is that we need to be the teachers for our children. You know, of course, they go to school and they learn, but having you as the father in their life or if you're a woman listening to this and you're a mother having you be that 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 source I mean it's really it's really a team effort of course right so it's not just saying just the father teaches just the mother teaches a collective uh, but then also the grandparents having them in their life aunts and uncles is being surrounded by family a lot of this com- convention was geared towards the importance of family and towards the importance of having a strong family and having a unified front for the children because we are who they're learning from or should be learning from and not being imprinted with you know other other radical ideas that might be out there that maybe don't actually fit with our values uh, or aren't things that we really want to pass along with our children for for whatever reason so and I actually just made a little side note to what Hunter had said and said now if you do have your children exposed to things and you don't like it now you have to undo that extra work or you have to do extra work to undo it and then redo it, right? So why not just be proactive and teach things to your children that you want to teach them and you know spend the time with them that they need from you and teach them the things that you want them to learn, the values that you want them to learn, the things that you want them to bring with them into the rest of their life. So I thought that was good. Also, your children won't do what you say, they'll do what they see you doing. And I thought that was really, really good, too. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Children won't do what you say. Now, I mean, of course, if they, if there's respect and, you know, they will do what you say, right? But he's making the point is that talk is cheap and actions speak louder than words, right? So we've all heard, probably have all heard those things before. And so they do what you say. So it's lead by example. So I just thought that was good. In this dark world, the warrior dad lights the flame of their child's torch. So he said something uh, very, very similar. I added the warrior dads in there because I got inspired when he said that. But I kind of tweaked it. But basically, he had said the gist of it and, and without the warrior dads. But in, the dark, in this dark world, the dad lights the flame of their child's torch. And I thought that was really, really cool. And I kind of envisioned uh, a child or, or a number of children standing in a line with unlit torches and it's the father that goes and lights the torch for that child you know and it's basically you know you're you're ready to go into the darkness and you're preparing them you know for for the darkness that they can inevitably encounter Um, and it doesn't you know when we say darkness it's just we all go through rough times, right? And that is the darkness in our life. We all have tough and trying and challenging times in our life of where we have to overcome things. And that is the darkness. And so you're preparing them and you're you know, you're know, making sure that they have the right tools to go into that darkness so that they can succeed and come out on the other side. So I thought that was really cool. So those are the some things I wrote down from Hunter Drew. Uh, and that was, I guess, just in his keynote because it was the first thing I wrote down. And George Bruno was the first official speaker. So George had a lot of good things to share with people. So I wanna share some of those. So if you don't, if you say it, you own it. I thought that was really good. So um, basically what he was saying with that is once, once words leave your mouth, you can't get them back. And he used the example also of a police officer was telling him a story before of, you know, of course, if if a police officer fires their gun and they're accountable for that bullet. And once you pull the trigger, you can't get that bullet back. And he related that to the words that we say. So once you say it, you own it. I thought that was really good. Uh, Another thing that um, actually, uh, a side note, another thing that Hunter said reminded me of a quote, and I didn't actually know the quote off the top of my head, so I I had to do a quick Google search, but a rising tide lifts all boats. So I thought that was really good. And that was kind of a really good way to describe what was happening that particular weekend at the 21 convention. A rising tide lifts all the boats. So the rising tide is the 21 convention. The rising tide is all the speakers that were taking the time out of their busy schedules, their family time, to come and speak to every everyone that was there. And so that is the tide. And it's lifting all the boats. And the boats were all the other men and the fathers that chose to including myself, be away from their families for the weekend, which, you know, wasn't easy. I've missed my wife. I miss my son. It. You know, I got to see them through technology, which is really, really one of the blessings of technology. To get to see them on FaceTime and things like that. But a rising tide lifts all boats, and I thought that was really powerful. Uh, catch people doing things right. And that's really about not just focusing on the negative, not just focusing on the bad stuff. You know, don't do this. Put that down. Uh You know, don't say that, don't say this, you know, if you see your son or your daughter doing something right, doing the right thing, holding a door for somebody, helping somebody out, praise that and don't let that go unnoticed because they need that. They need to know, well, you know, I think it's good to give people reassurance that what they're doing is, is the right thing. You know, it's if you're at work and your boss gives you praise, you know, you're on the right path, you know, you're doing the right thing, your work is being recognized in a positive way and it's not to say that you need that at a boy on the back but it's good to have and it's good feedback and I think the right feedback at the right time is very very powerful so look at it more as feedback instead of a necessity or a need or you need approval from somebody it's not really that it's it's just getting feedback and you know, if you get a compliment from somebody, it's basically feedback, right? And it's not to say that you need that compliment, but it's nice to have and it's nice to know that it's being appreciated or noticed by other people. So I like that. And then the final thing uh, from George's um, speech was praise in public, reprimand in private. And, you know, I'm actually guilty of doing the opposite. I've actually reprimanded it in public before. And not to the extreme, Um you know, maybe sometimes, you know, I've spanked, you know, we, we, you know, spanked Jimmy a couple of times, not like, you know, over the knee or type of something, but, you know, if he makes a mistake when he was, of course, when he was younger, not, uh, not almost being seven years old now, but, because we also have that mutual respect, but, you know, it's kind of like a little, little smack on the bottom. Uh, I've done that in, in public before, and, you know, but that's, that is a reprimand. So have the conversations with your children in private, uh, and praise them in public. Give them, give them that recognition recognition in public, but it, the, the more important piece there is a reprimand in private that should be done, you know, as a family together behind closed doors. And, you know, when we're saying reprimand, we're not talking about hitting, you know, of course, it actually came up a couple of conversations at the conference where people are saying, do not hit your kids, never lay a hand on your kids, like, you know, the occasional spanking or something like that is, is okay, or a little slap on the hand and, you know, teaching them a lesson. But we're talking about abuse talking about never punching hitting your children making bruises things like that Um, that's really really important and that that of course I've never done Um, and you know sometimes you don't even feel good about spanking them spanking them on the butt Uh, but it's tough love and sometimes it's needed so but I like that praise in public reprimand in private as I was talking in a sidebar conversation because we got a lot of breaks after every keynote every after every not keynote but uh, every speaker had a break in between so we got a 10 or 15 minute break to just get up stretch your legs take a quick water break Uh, and i really like that so you're not just sitting in a room constantly all the time so that's actually some really positive um, things that i think other people can implement in their conventions and conferences that you go to because if you have people just sitting too long it's you're too stagnant right so i really like that they were able to give people breaks very very frequently throughout the day but I in talking with somebody in a sidebar and I'm struggling right now to remember the full context of it but as they're talking I came up with this quote and then of course it was a it was a joke amongst the group and I'll just say you know you can you can use that but just you know give me credit dash Jim me <laughs> so the more you defend it the less validation it has the more you defend it the less validation it has so it's really you know if you have an idea if you have something don't feel like you have to defend it. Don't feel like you have to make the other person think that. Actually I think that was the context of it. You know if you have an idea if this is what you're trying to do don't try to convince anybody else. You know for for me I eat healthy food, I eat organic, I'm not trying to force that on anybody else. Is that what I think is the right thing to do? Absolutely. But if somebody else wants to do it or or, or do the opposite then that's okay too. I'm not trying to force or, or be a preacher. I'm just trying to educate and inspire and I feel the more you defend it the more you're trying to push it push it push it you're you're taking the power away from it you're you're validating it's getting that less validation so uh, on to Sean Dr. Sean T. Smith he actually agreed to be on the podcast so I'm excited to get him on at some point he talked a little bit about fatherly instinct. And some of the things I wasn't able to write down so much. I, I do like taking notes because I really feel I mean, I, I wouldn't have all these pages of notes if I didn't take them. And some of them are really powerful. But, um, you know, I do like to be in the moment and listen. And then I have a tendency to not really pay attention when I'm trying to remember what they just said and write it down real quick. So hopefully a lot of this makes sense as I'm reading it all back. Fatherly instinct. The child needs to push against the world, uh, push against something. The world creates the resistance. Um, and that builds character so a child needs to push against something and so I think sometimes fathers are a little bit more eager or um, able to let their kids struggle just a little bit more you know if someone if the kid's trying to do something and re, you know just don't, don't give it to them don't just walk over and especially if they're moving towards it they're trying to get it they're on a mission, They're—they're they're, something's creating resistance, whether it's a little too high or something like that. Now, if it's impossible, of course, you're going to help out your child. But if they're working towards something, just don't give it to them, just don't hand it to them. Make them work for it a little bit, create that resistance. And the world does that, and we just have to allow it to happen. But of course, we're always there by their side and, and helping them as they go, if they need help and support, because it's important for them to know that we are there as help and support. But it helps build, build character, and it also helps build a little bit of resilience, too. Um, He he shared a story about a father who was helping his or trying to help his kids get ready in the morning. And they were always late. And I believe it was three kids. And it was just so exhausting trying to get them dressed and fed and their lunches and out the door. And he was in turn getting late for work. And so one day or one night he said to the kids, all right, here's what's going to happen tomorrow. I want everybody ready to go I want it would be a team effort but I want everybody ready to go by 730 in the car ready to go by 730 and if you're not I'm going to leave without you you're going to stay home that day and you'll have to explain to your teachers why you weren't in school and it probably won't be very fun because I don't know what you're going to eat and things like that so he said it very very calmly and he kept his composure about him and so the kids were testing him the next day they weren't really getting ready and he was just doing his thing. He was offering support, you know, reminding them, and he actually even went over with the clock. Okay, well, you know, when this hand gets to here, when that hand gets to here. And the next day comes, and it's 7:25 or 7:20, something like that. It was really close to 7:30, and the kids weren't ready. They weren't even dressed, and he looked at them and said, "You know, hey guys, it's it's almost 7:30." He said, "So you know, if you guys want to go to school today, and you don't want to just stay home by yourselves." and really have nothing to do the rest of the day, then I, I suggest you start getting ready in the car. And Again, keeping composure, and being calm, not yelling, being aggressive, anything like that. And he's getting his bag ready to leave and the kids are noticing and now there's all this little panic. So he notices that this panic is happening. He says, well, you know, he says, uh, if you guys do really want to go to school, I said, I guess you guys can get dressed in the car. You can just run up and get grab your clothes and then, you know, get in the car. Now, they didn't know one of the things that the father had done the night before is they talked to he talked to one of the neighbors that was down the street and that they had a great relationship with and he said if i come by in the morning and knock on your door um after 7:30, can you go back and check on the kids and make sure they're okay and all that kind of stuff and maybe help them get ready for school <laughs> so um because he needed to be at work at a certain time i don't think the kids need to be there that early but they needed to uh, be there shortly after so anyway he prep the neighbor because he wasn't obviously just going to leave his kids alone by themselves and so they started panicking and so he gets in the car I think he had a truck and he's starting to pull off because it was seven thirty, and he's actually starting to pull off down the driveway and he looks in the rearview mirror and he sees the kids running with their backpacks in one hand and their clothes in the other <laughs> they're just running after the car like waving their hands to stop and they're yelling stop stop we're ready we're ready so he gave them structure then he gave them warmth and that led to success so there was, those were the three things that Dr., Dr. Smith said structure warmth and success are three vital things um, that children need so he didn't yell and raise his voice and get angry he's like come on you got to do this come on hurry up and he just gave them warmth he gave them options and ultimately they succeeded because they ran they grabbed their clothes and they just got dressed in the car and they went to school so I thought that was um, I thought that was pretty cool. All right, moving on, um, rich Graham. So some of the people I did take notes on some of them I didn't, some of them overlapped, you know, some of the, some of the speeches overlapped. And again, I like to try to stay as present as I can. So, but I got plenty to share here. So if you go back and listen, I was like, wait, he said there was a couple other people in between there, but rich Graham was a workshop. So we, that was on self-defense. Um, so I wrote down victim frequency versus predatory frequency. Which one are you putting out? Okay, so basically he was talking about: Are you portraying yourself as the victim, or are you portraying yourself as the predator? And when you say predator, you don't mean a misogynistic, you know, asshole, for lack of a better term. It's you know, you're not walking around, you know, puffing your chest out all the time and bumping into people and saying, "What are you looking at?" Type deal. It's just that you know, are you are you exuding confidence and looking? L- like an alpha male? Or are you looking like a, a beta, I guess would be the exact opposite, right? A beta, or are you just looking like someone who's an easy target? So that was food for thought. Um, a Couple other things I wrote down was the respect cycle. He went over the respect cycle. If something happens, you know you'll have my back. So um, just having that mutual respect for other people or the, those people in your lives, is. Um, and this is actually something new. I didn't. I was never heard of the respect cycle, so that was new for me. But I understood what he was talking about. Basically, he used an example of if you get in a bar fight with somebody, you respect the person that's, you know, that's got your side. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're the toughest person or that you're going to win that bar fight. But at least you have that respect for that other person, and you know that they have your back if if uh, stuff goes down, you know, or if they need to help out in some way. Situational awareness. Uh, The stacking drill, he talked about the stacking drill, which is basically um, if you're a father and you're walking and you see a situation, you have your family with you, you'd want to stack your family. Okay, so let's say 20 yards ahead of you, you kind of see something that doesn't really look that great, Uh, whether it's a person, a situation, an argument happening between other people, you position yourself in the middle of that argument and your family and your family gets behind you. Okay, so you orient your children to stand behind you. And he was even talking about you can actually prep your kids, say, hey, you know, if if daddy if daddy's voice all of a sudden changes and it's not really what you normally hear or if uh, if I tell you to get behind me or something like that, stay behind me and almost turn it into a game. So wherever daddy moves, you move and you just stay behind me the entire time like a tail on an animal or like on a dog. So if I move to the left and turn this way, then you swing around with me and also move to the left. And so he said, you can kind of turn it into a drill with your with your family and having your wife on board too with it, you know, and just letting her know that you're not being paranoid, but that you're trying to be the protector of the family. And so I I really like that. Um, the warrior's intent it's kind of like the war to, the the will to fight uh, because he even said that Will you fight? Um, will you do whatever you need to do to protect your family to be to be that person for them that might need them at some particular time you know when we talk about self-defense um personal protection hand-to-hand combat blade training gun training you know the the chances of you actually using any of that stuff aren't very likely to be honest but it's a skill it's a skill nonetheless a lot of times it's very very i mean well most of the time, it's very very physical It's as physical as you can make it, and you're getting stronger physically, you're getting stronger mentally, so I don't really see a downside in it. You know, back in the Spartan days, even if you weren't a Spartan, even if you weren't the badass that made it to the actual Spartans, hopefully you still knew how to fight. You know, it's a smaller community, of course, back then, but you could still be strong without necessarily having to be the toughest guy in the tribe or the toughest guy in the clan. So I think that's just worth thinking on. It's just that, you know, the warrior intent, just because you don't suit up every day and you got a badge or a gun that you carry for work doesn't mean that you can't emulate that in your own way, in your own lifestyle, in your own family. So, um, you know, and also the warrior intent that I wrote down for is you don't need to start it, but you will need to finish it. So it's just basically, you know, you're not going to be the jerk walking around starting fights but will you be able to finish it if you do encounter someone who is like that and of course they do exist. Steve Williams um, he he talked a lot about dating um, so I, I didn't think it was as uh, I mean I did like some of the things he was saying I didn't think it was as prevalent maybe for a married man because you're not going to really use a lot of those tactics because it's kind of you know going from the 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 meeting phase through into the relationship and then the dating phase and then the engagement and the marriage. So for anybody that was there who was married probably wasn't as like myself wasn't as as useful, but there were some definitely some single fathers there, so it was definitely useful for them. But how are you carrying your last name? Um he talked a lot about how to how to pick a woman, how to pick a girlfriend, how to pick a wife and things to think about. And you know, if she's going to be taking your last name, that's uh, that's a reflection of you. And, um, you know, how is that how is that name thought of? You know, you hear the last name Hitler, you have something that you think about, right? You have uh, the last name Bundy. Well, you could either think of Al Bundy or you could think of Ted Bundy. And so there's, there's different things that you can think of when you hear a last name. So part of that was, you know, the importance of last name and how powerful a last name can be. And so he was talking about how are you carrying your last name? How are you, how are you choosing to uh, raise your family to portray that last name? Um, then he was talking about different tolerance levels, high tolerance, low tolerance, no tolerance for kind of like letting things slide and, you know, holding your ground on, on certain things, the low tolerance is you can hold your ground on certain things, but then let other things slide. Obviously the no tolerance is basically my way or the highway. And then a high tolerance is kind of like a pushover almost, you know, you just let other people influence you or maybe a little too much. And uh, so it's just kind of food for thought there. And one of the quotes he said that I wrote down is, anything you put in front of, anything you put in front of yourself, you worship. So making yourself a priority and working on yourself, making yourself better, because anything that we're putting in front of ourselves, we're technically worshiping. And that could be women, that could be money, that could be, you know, anything. So I thought that was a interesting quote Um. oh and then he was also talking about being genuine so he put women know the women know the bullshitters from the genuine guys she knows the hand before you even have a chance to play it So I thought that was interesting because women have a very um, keen sense of whether someone that they're standing in front of them is really telling them the truth I mean they argued that it was a little bit better than guys what women's like that women intuition and basically be a genuine person. Don't, don't try to be something that you're not to anybody. Uh, I mean, that's not really, that's not really good for you either, but it's definitely not good for the other person involved because you're acting and, and putting on this facade, but it's also not good for you either because you know that you're not being yourself, you know, that you're not being genuine and there's going to be this inner conflict. That's really gonna really gonna come out at some point. Tanner Guzzi, he is also going to be coming on the podcast at some point, so I'm really excited to get him on, and he's going to be talking about. Uh, I'm trying to, I guess, it's like men's fashion. Uh, I'm trying to think of how he, how he put it, but it's appearance. He's an appearance coach, and it's taking personal pride in your appearance and not looking like like a Homer Simpson or a Peter Griffin and taking pride in your appearance. But he took a little bit different approach this year whereas that's typically what he would talk about at a traditional 21 convention. But because this was geared towards fathers, he talked a little bit about family culture and doing weekly things as a family. And in in his family, they categorize them. They have fun things that they do every week. They have kind things that they do every week. And then they have hard things that they do every week. And interestingly enough, he said that his family or his children specifically will really enjoy the hard things and they have kind of the idea of there's a lot of people a lot of people call it different things but peaks and pitfalls right or your highlights of your day or the low parts of your day where you can do it at nighttime right before bed as part of the uh, bedtime routine and just talking about things that you really liked throughout the day and some things that you didn't like throughout the day things that you would want to change or redo if you could but then also learning the lesson in them. And then things that you were really, really proud of or things that you really enjoyed. And he said that a lot of times his children will uh, like the hard things. Their their peak that they're expressing was the hard thing that they had to do that day. So I thought that was really cool. And that's interesting. But it's a creating that culture, and, you know, doing those things. And then he said he had him and his wife do two date nights per month. And he said that's really, really important because, yes, you are the father. And... Um, you are the father of your children, but you also have to be the husband and play the the the, the, lo- the lover role in the relationship too with your wife. And so it's really important to continue that relationship and not just have it be a mother father dynamic in the house, but on also just a a husband and wife dynamic as well and connecting. Because he said that the two were completely different. You know, because if you're that unified front for the children. That's the mother-father role, but that's not necessarily what really kind of sparked your relationship together, and that's not really what put you two together. So continuing to grow and nurture that side of the relationship is really important as well, too. So two date nights per month, definitely something I need to implement, (laughs) although, you know, we, we do... We do, my wife and I, we do go out on dates, but we really do enjoy family time. And and that's some of the things, and every every family is different. Some of the people that are listening to this might say, well, yeah, I just definitely need a break for my kids. You know, my wife and I, we have one son. He's great. We love spending time with him. We don't really feel exhausted from being parents a lot of times. Um, And sometimes we just want to sit down and relax, and that's our date night. And, and, you know, he actually even said one of their date nights, uh, Tanner said one of their date nights was him and his wife going to the gym they never really get to go to the gym together he goes three days a week she goes three days a week but it's never on the same day they have their little morning ritual that they do and then after that where they're spending some time in bed with their kids first thing in the morning kids will come running in and snuggle up with mom and dad and they'll spend 10 or 15 minutes and then they do some Uh, some religious worship i think they read some different stories maybe from the bible or or whatever their practice is i can't remember the specifics now and then after that one of them will go off to the gym and then they kind of meet back up as a family and he works from home and she stays at home with the kids so it's a really really cool dynamic but one of their date nights was just going to the gym together and so it doesn't have to be anything extravagant and big and expensive it could just be spending time but it's, it's really the intention It's the intention of of spending that time together and why you're you're doing it. So I I like that. The next guy up was Socrates. Socrates, Socrates, his speech was absolutely amazing. It was really, really fascinating. I didn't take a lot of notes in the very beginning part because I was just so interested in what he was talking about. It was very, very different, more from like an anthropological um, explanation. And it was so scientific not in a way that you couldn't understand it, but so scientific that I just can't really regurgitate a whole lot of it. But basically the gist of it was he was showing uh, a picture on the TV that he had. He was showing a picture of the evolution of man and how there was a huge, huge spike in the intelligence level and the brain capacity of man. And then we were looking at, I think it was Neanderthal and then Homo sapiens. But then he said there's actually a decline and were technically categorized as homo sapiens sapiens. And I got a chance to talk to him after his talk. And I says, is this, is this real stuff that you're talking about? This isn't like a theory that you have? He says, no, this is actually really real stuff. He spent some time in the anthropological world. His partner is, I believe he said, an anthropologist or anthropologist, archaeologist. I mean, he spent time in both fields. And so he's gotten to learn a lot of this stuff so it was really really fascinating i wasn't expecting that type of talk over the weekend but it was really really interesting of him comparing you know how he's talking about the brain development of of people and how we were starting to use fine motor skills and but now our brains have actually shrunk a little bit over the years and as he's talking i'm kind of can't help of course related to nutrition and i'm just thinking like i wonder if this is related to nutrition at some point because we had this huge huge spike Especially once we started eating meat as human beings, um, which is shown, which is shown, ex- very, very prevalent in the fossil records. But then I'm thinking, I wonder if the decline has anything to do with the lack of nutrition that people are being exposed to these days. So I just thought that was really interesting. And uh, but some of the things that he did write down kind of ties back into what I was saying before about not hitting is that the first five years of a child's life is absolutely crucial and he says 90 percent of the brain develops in the first five years of life that's that's amazing i couldn't believe that it was that number 90 percent of the brain develops in the first five years of life and some of the people that were talking at the conference were saying that they don't recommend getting um, married before the age of 35 because they say at 35 that's really went or i think it was 35 it was like you know the brain is still developing and even if the brain is still developing into our 20s, let's say, you know, I'm probably a little different for everybody because everybody's different. But even if the brain, let's say, is developing even into our 20s, that how much time has passed 15 years? If you're 20 and your brain still isn't fully developed, that's 15 years that have passed where your brain still is developing. So for the first five years, 90%, there's so much going on in those first five years. Um, so he says, do not hit your child. It will completely imprint on their psyche. If you hit your children in the first five years, you're not just imprinting on them physically, but you're imprinting on their psyche as well. So I thought that was really, really interesting. So I don't have a whole lot of notes from Socrates, but, uh, he definitely has some YouTube videos on there from talks that he's given previously in the past. And, you know, I don't know if they, uh, correlate with what he was talking about this past weekend, but very, very smart man, definitely highly looking uh, recommend looking up his videos. The next speaker I wrote down was Pat Campbell. He has a radio talk show. He's a radio talk show host, and he's agreed uh, as well as Socrates and Tanner. Uh, Pat Campbell has also agreed to come on the Warrior Dads podcast, so that's ex- that's extremely exciting for me. And he says, don't listen to what people say. watch what they do. And this guy's, he's a big dude. He's big and strong. Very, very alpha male. He says he was usually, you know, he's actually bigger before in the past. Scary looking dude. Very, very nice guy. But, you know, he can be intimidating looking. So, he says, don't listen to what people say. Watch what they do. And there's a little bit of the carryover from what I said earlier too. is You know, talk is cheap and actions speak louder than words. And... The end objective this this I really liked our end objective as parents is to have our children make good decisions and the right decisions on their own without us telling or forcing them and I thought that was really really important because he says if we get to the if we get to the adult if the child gets to adulthood and we want to see how we did as parents look at the decisions that they're making you know hopefully the right decisions and are they doing it on their own without being told to do it so I thought I really 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 like that one next uh, next was Elliot Hulse how to lead your family he gave six things on how to leave your family have a vision and direction devote yourself fully to your family do more than your fair share Don't just do the bare minimum. Do more than your fair share. Step up. Be that person. You know, because just a little side note on that. You know, there's the whole stigma with, you know, the woman has to cook and clean and clean the house, clean the dishes, uh, wash the clothes, clean the rooms, all that stuff. And that's just, you know, that's not... 100% 100% accurate. Now, I mean, I get it. You know, you if if you have a dynamic where you have a stay-at-home mom, and she is a homemaker, then okay. But it doesn't all have to be on her because that is a lot of work. And any guy that's listening to this that has done that kind of work around the house, that had you know that cooks and cleans and things like that, I'm one of them. You know, I get I'm blessed to work from home, and I really love cooking. So I am the cook in the family, and when my wife comes home from work, I like her to be able to sit down and spend time with our son, and take a load off. And that doesn't make me less of a man because I'm able to cook, and I know that there are some people out there who are like, "Oh my gosh, how dare you cook?" and stuff. And there were no, there were no people at the at the conference like this. I'm just saying in general that there are people out there that have that radical thinking. It's like you're not supposed to be cooking and cleaning and stuff like that. That's a woman's job, and that's just not the right mindset, you know. And that's, um. You're too, you're too far gone to, to one direction. You know, there has to be that give and take. And and especially if you like it, you know, if, you know it's also the right reason. My, my wife isn't making me cook. She's not ordering me to have dinner on the table for her. I want to do that for her. And I want her to come home and have a good, warm, tasty meal that she can sit down and enjoy, especially if she did have a hard day at work. And, you know, then we sit together as a family. And that that's really important too and someone else I'm trying to remember who it was but saying make sure you spend time as a family or they were asking the question how many people in this room have actually sat down with their family and had a meal in the last week or how many meals have you shared with your family together at dinner time? and I think that's really really important too because that's a really good time of the day not to watch TV together as a family while you're eating but to talk about your day and to connect with each other and to ask your children, what did you do at school today? Who did you play with? What were some of the things you were doing while you were on the playground? Uh, you know, did you have any struggles? Did anybody bother you today? Uh, did you help anybody today? How? You know, so really, really important time. So do more than your fair share. That was number three. Number four, keep physically strong. Amen to that. Keep physically strong. I wholeheartedly believe that men should have resistance training in the routine every single man I know no two people are the same but you are a man and that does come with a certain responsibility and men are stronger than women inherently by nature it's it's biological There's nothing wrong with saying that nobody should get offended at that it's totally fine you know men shouldn't get offended from women's intuition or motherly instinct they shouldn't get offended by that either because sometimes it's a little bit more honed in. You know, they they raised and grew that child in their body. And there's another thing, childbirth. Hey, I can give birth to a child and you can't, man, says the woman. So we shouldn't get offended by that. We should be happy for them. And are there strong women out there? Hell yeah. A lot of my clients are strong women. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But we should be stronger having both strong super important but the man needs to be strong and needs to be able to lift things around the house or pick things up if they need to you should be able to carry your wife if she needs you to carry her for some reason not just carry her across the threshold on wedding day but you know throw her over your shoulder if you needed to in you know, a life-or-death situation, God forbid, you know, be able to carry your children over your shoulders. Have that strength. So keep yourself physically strong, keep yourself morally straight, and keep yourself mentally alert. Is number six. So those those are some of the tips from Elliot Hulse. and um, and then also something that Elliot said was your wife is a reflection of you, and I thought that was really really important because our our children are also reflections of us too. And you know, this is what we're putting out there, what we're choosing to emulate. And uh so that's really important. So your wife is a reflection of you just as your children are a reflection of you. And he actually went into a really uh he took a he took a different approach than I thought he was. It great great speech. And he talked about the bonobos. So, you know, this uh he, he, you know this comparison where you know did we come from chimps or I, I I never heard of the theory before but then some people are saying that they think that we come from bonobos and there were a couple of, of books that were portraying men as as being weaker and things like that and there were some some really good resources he shared as to why that was actually squashed and uh, I, I should have wrote those books down because they're, they're probably worth looking into or at least looking a little bit more into that. But he compared us to the chimps and then he was kind of squashing what the theory was about people comparing us to bonobos which are another type of chimp but radically, radically different behavior than what a chimp is. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting. So if you want to learn a little bit more about that I would I would probably just do, uh, you know, men men compared to bonobos versus chimps or something like that i mean a lot of this was all him you know so you're not going to find the exact information that he shared of course because it's his information um but just knowing what that comparison is to humans and bonobos which is debunked but just very interesting stuff so um i thought that was worth mentioning and uh who's next here all right I'm looking through some of my notes because, of course, as I'm listening to some of these people, they're inspiring me and getting me to think about different things. And then just trying to keep my mind clear and 100 percent present with the speaker and and being in the moment just opens me up to just different ideas. Um, One of the things that I actually put together is that, you know, I. I say a lot of times that your physical workouts will make you mentally strong because you know there's a certain percentage of the workout whether it's you know 75 percent 80 percent 85 percent and that's all relative um, that part of the workout is going to be the physical part and then the rest of it is going to be mental because there's going to be a point in the workout where it gets tough if you're really working out and you're doing what you need to do and train there's going to be a point in the workout where it gets really tough and you're going to have to mentally push through it you're going to have to get those next two three four five reps by digging deep and figuring out really connecting to your why that's really what you're doing you're connecting to your why and what is what is that motivating factor for you so relating the physical to the mental and the workouts to also the thinking and the breathing that we have um which actually comes down all the way from buddha so buddha if I've never talked about this in any of the other episodes, thinking and breathing are directly related. And Buddha's the first one to make that connection, I believe. And because he said that thinking is the psychological part of breathing and breathing is the physical part of thinking. So if you notice that you're stressed out and your thinking is up and down, up and down, really, really choppy and chaotic, notice your breath and notice what your breath is like. A lot of times you will notice that it is very similar to your thinking, choppy, unrhythmic, chaotic, etc. So it's a lot easier to focus on the breathing to quiet the mind than it is to just focus on the mind and try to quiet that by itself. So if you do have a racy mind or anxious, anxiousness at any time of the day, but let's say specifically before bed, your mind's racing, one of the things you can do is not focus on the mind. Not try to slow the mind down, because that can be very, very challenging, but to focus on the physical and to change your breathing so that when you force the breathing to become more rhythmic and fluid, the mind will follow. So I kind of related those two. Uh, Jack Murphy, next one. He talked about the OODA loop, and the OODA loop, OODA, is observe, orient, decide, and act. And I'm familiar with that from attending the situational combatives course that I did with Dynamis Alliance uh, a little ways back and they talked about the OODA loop. So it's nothing new, Uh, really, really great concept. So if you want to look it up a little bit more about it, OODA, O-O-D-A, loop, L-O-O-P. And again, OODA stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, and Act, and um, yeah. He talked a little bit about the APA's response, the uh, American Psychological Association's response or their stance on how to deal or coach men and boys. Apparently it's very, very controversial. I'm not into the whole world of feminism and combating feminism. I know feminism exists. And a lot of these guys are a lot more (laughs) knowledgeable than me i mean this was really my first exposure to uh, a convention for men so some of that does come up and this isn't you know a a woman bashing conference or or anything like that this is men coming together being able to create a safe space for each other for the betterment of men for the betterment of yourself and how to improve yourself so that's really what these are about so you know make, make no mistake uh, but there are people that know a lot about feminism and are actually trying to combat feminism. And so this actually, this guy, Jack Murphy, uh, he is also coming on the podcast. Great guy. Got to talk to him. He's a monster. He's like 6'5". I don't know. He's got to be like 250 pounds. Very intimidating looking dude. But such a nice guy. Awesome guy. Um, he has uh talked about this kind of stuff you know um developing personal sovereignty and that, that's actually what one of the things i'd like them to talk about on the podcast but you know he's speaking out against things like feminism and he's speaking you know and and you know for anyone my perception of feminism is basically you know it's it's women trying to rise up and basically chop the man down there's nothing to do with equal rights feminism Goes way far beyond equal rights. It's actually, a hate movement, um, according to a lot of these guys, and and really it is. It's a hate movement. It's it's against men. It's against family. So it goes way way past anything that has to do with equal rights or equal opportunity and all that stuff. And all these guys, by the way, at the conference are all again are, are all for equal rights and are all for equal opportunity. So, um, but they are against having women chop the man down again i'm not super uh knowledgeable on all the ins and outs of feminism but this guy unfortunately jack murphy got let go from his little league coaching duty to his son's baseball team and they found out that he had wrote wrote this book and they had found out that he's on instagram or uh, twitter and you know talking out about against some of these things that are happening radically around the the world and they let him go. They said, You're no longer the coach after five years. I'm like, wow, that sucks. So, um, so he's had he's had a little rough year, so he's gonna come on and talk about that, which I'm which I'm looking for. But uh six things for developing personal sovereignty, uh perception, sense making, making good choices, number four is integrity, number five is discernment, and number six is embodiment. He didn't expand too too much on those uh but he will he will expand a little bit more when he comes on the podcast hopefully so Ivan Throne man this guy is like a viking <laughs> i mean he is another big dude he's very very nice but he just has like this this presence of a viking like jack like jack murphy's got like this presence of like this military warrior right but but ivan throne has this old world viking look to him i don't know Very, very powerful guy. He's deaf, but can still speak very, very well, of course. So unfortunately, I don't know exactly how I'd get him on the podcast because I just, you know, do phone conversations with people using Anchor. Uh, So I don't know how I actually get him on the podcast, but I'd love to get him on at some point. But it would probably have to be an in-person interview because he reads lips. And he says a patriarch's role is to be the bridge of love and knowledge for the family. And he's talking, he talks about this generational bridge and he talks about intergenerational wealth, but intergenerational wealth through knowledge. And he said, wouldn't it be so cool if there was a family book that's been passed down from generations to generations of things that you've learned along the way, because I mean, you think, you think of the wisdom of, of the generations that have come before us, the things that they've learned, through their life and instead of us having to relearn all those things now there's definitely uh, something to be said for for failing and, and, and learning the opposite right or learning from our mistakes but as the old saying goes a wise man learns from his mistakes a wiser man learns from others mistakes and he talks about creating this book and passing it down from generation to generation and teaching are passing passing on your knowledge of the teachings that you've learned and this guy's actually studied with the ninjas he went over to Japan to study with ninjas and and warriors and things like that and he said that he's reading from these 700 year scrolls that they were showing him and he's just so impressed and he comes from a very very old family I think all the way back from the 1400s he says and his co- family comes from uh, England and there's just such history in his family and uh there's just a lot of respect and love for his ancestors and he just knows the importance of that he says so so learn from your grandparents learn from your great grandparents if they're still alive you know what what did they learn what do they know and what can they pass down to you and what and then how can you pass that down to your son and their sons and their sons and their sons and so you think seven generations before you and think seven generations into the future. And so I thought that was super 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 powerful. Learn lessons and hear the stories of those who came before you, grandparents etc and pass them down to your children. That was another thing I wrote down which I just said um write your own experiences and lessons down because if you don't it's lost when you die. And that's so true. You know, if you don't pass down those experiences Or don't tell them to other people. They go with you. And um, kind of wasted. You know it's good that you got to learn those. But why not help somebody else along. You know and he said that he used the example of. um, You know if a a boy. 14, 15, 16 years old. Let's say you know. Is in a relationship. And either they get dumped. Or they end the relationship. And he's got a broken heart. Um, I mean first of all it's not in society today, it's not really quote unquote manly to talk about that kind of stuff, but it doesn't mean that boys and men don't need to talk about that stuff. We do need to talk about that stuff. And that's actually part of being a man is, is being open and, and having that, that platform to do so. But, you know, learning those lessons, you know, it was like, Hey, how, how did, how do you heal a broken heart? Wouldn't it be cool to have a book to go to? And there's a lesson inside there is this, you know, this is what my grandfather suggested. This is how he dealt with this, you know, hardship when he had a broken heart. Um, so I just thought that was super, super powerful, was not expecting it at all. And the, one of the things he wrote down, he said, um, I don't know why I wrote that. I'm trying to remember the context again. But he, he mentioned Kabul in Afghanistan in the last five to ten years. I think he was just talking about how things have actually changed. And I'm really struggling with this. So I'm I'm sorry, I apologize. But Kabul, Afghanistan, in the last five to ten years versus 1969. And as he was talking, I typed in Kabul, Afghanistan. 1969 women because he referenced the women walking around in miniskirts I think I think what he was I think what he was referencing is that you know this is this is our land of course the area that you live in this is your land and we need to preserve it we need to protect it we need to um, respect it from from those who came before so he was he was referencing the miniskirts that these people were just basically that the way that the women would dress the way that they would look And they looked beautiful, you know, they weren't walking around in a lot of the garbs that they were doing today. I guess basically he was referencing that the the people in Afghanistan weren't really respecting their country. And they kind of let it go and turn into this wasteland. Um, You know, and you look at the you look at what Afghanistan looks like now back compared to back in 1969, the way people dressed, the way people looked, the people smiling and dressing really nice. And the women were able to. Show their bodies off a little bit if they wanted to. Of course, it's hot there. So, um, yeah. So he was just talking about you know, mentioning that and preserving that. I should I, w- I sh- should have wrote more notes for, him for that. And um, the bones of your mastery is your habits. And I'm pretty sure I heard that right. The bones. I'm pretty sure that the words he though that's the word he used. But the bones of your mastery is your habits. So develop good habits, and um, because they. They really shape, really shape you and, and who you become and what you pass along. Elliot and his dad, uh, Edmund Hulse. I wrote some things down from that. Elliot's dad is a very, very passionate guy and very strong mentally, physically. Um, and he says, family is strength and power. You need to have love. If you don't have love and respect for yourself, your family becomes weak. The next thing was have your kids be strong through having a strong family. So there's a really, really big emphasis on strength. Strength for yourself and then strength for your, through your family. the The next one I wrote down was we are the world and the reason to have a family is to make the world a better place. So by having families, through having families for thousands of years, That's really what has made the world, populated the earth, and made this place worth living in. So he says, we are the world, and the reason to have a family is to make the world a better place. Through love, uh, well, actually make a better place through love. Sorry, that was on the next page. So, and uh, basically without love, you have nothing. So really, really strong emphasis on love, respect, strength and then he goes on to say when you respect yourself you give off that energy to your children and your family so he spent a little bit of time saying that you really need to respect yourself you can't command respect from anybody else unless you respect yourself and it's the same thing with love you can't command love from anybody else you can't truly love anybody else unless you truly love yourself and that's that's really powerful for some people because some people Do not love themselves, or some people cannot look in themselves in the mirror and honestly say, I love you, to their reflection, or even look at themselves in the mirror and just look into their own eyes without saying anything. Sometimes that's very, very challenging for people. And if you're one of those people, I would encourage you to practice it and know that there is no one there's no one that can take care of you quite like you. And the fact that you are unique in so many different ways i mean we won't get into that cuz that'll just take us into the 2 hour mark but um the, you are so unique and so special and in so many different ways it's absolutely i mean when you really really start getting deep into this kind of stuff and and how we have such a great impact on the universe and you know for every action there's a reaction not just here on earth but also in the universe it's it's so powerful to see and, and you hear about the people that don't love themselves and don't think that they're special or worthy and to, to be here that's it's amazing you know I and I you know I this is pretty much the end of my notes coming up like only a few more things to share with you but I remember one person was saying uh, that they were talking about hard work and determination and never ever ever say that you're not made to do hard work or that you've never worked hard at something or accomplish something because they went all the way back to the beginning of conception for each and every one of us. And the reason we are here, the reason that we were born is because we started off as this little sperm. And we had to race a ton of other people to the finish line and we were the ones that won. <laughs> and, you know, I never really thought about it that way. But it it's true, you know, you were... You were in a race against a lot of other potential, you know, boys and girls and you were the one that made it to the finish line. You were the one that fought and clawed your way to the end and that's the reason that you're here. So, you know, just these little things can be really, really powerful lessons and and pull us out of any maybe dark times or ruts that you might be going through Um, and things to think about, especially when the going gets tough. Um, He goes on to say, do everything from your heart. So everything should flow from your heart. Discipline your kids and teach them so the government doesn't discipline them. So that was basically uh, the context of that was he was talking about if they don't have any direction, if your kids don't have any discipline, it can lead them down the wrong path. It can lead them down uh, the path of doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing. And if the police does not have to get involved i.e. the government has to get involved and your kids get in trouble then they're gonna discipline them they're gonna wind up in jail or or worse so um, he says you know don't discipline your kids and teach them so that the government doesn't discipline them and the last thing I wrote down is no one is perfect accept people's faults and it can turn into love for the other person and then you grow as a person so love people for who they are and if you try to force it it doesn't work so instead of looking at someone saying oh this is what they have wrong with them and this is this this is, and of course just falling into judgment but looking at their faults and you know of course not being too naive to realize that we have our own faults too and how do we want other people to perceive our faults so knowing that we're not perfect and nobody's perfect and that we have our own faults well, just like we have our own faults, other people have their faults and if we start to accept other people's faults and even relate to them because maybe we are guilty of the same things, then we can turn that into love for the other person. And by, do th- by doing that, we are growing as a person. We are turning away from judgment. We are turning away from resentment and choosing the love path, essentially, you know, the, the gratitude path looking at the person and having appreciation inspe- instead of expecting them to uh to act a certain way or expecting somebody to be perfect when it really doesn't exist. So those were the last of my notes. Um I really really enjoyed being there. Uh I flew in on Thursday. I came home on Sunday. I really enjoyed being there. I got to meet a lot of amazing people. I'm going to be blessed to have a lot of those a lot of those amazing people guests of my podcast but even the attendees they they were there they got up and they shared some things they shared some things and like the sidebar conversations and some of those are really really powerful some of those conversations that you get to have on those breaks or lunch break those are the most impactful and the, the you know where you get to see the realness of of people so just a great platform great environment i would highly highly recommend you check out the 21 convention they have the regular twenty one convention. Again, this was the Fatherhood edition or the Patriarch Edition. It's the very first time they ever did it. But it was such a success that they definitely are uh going to do it again, or at least that's the uh that's the idea as of this point. They're gonna do it again, maybe in the next eighteen to twenty four months. So uh I'll definitely keep you posted on that or, you know, post something on Instagram um for, for that when the, when the time comes. I know it's a little ways away. But they also have the regular twenty one convention coming up in October and I believe that that's also in Orlando Florida Um, different location that we were at uh, this past weekend but even a nicer place uh, from what I hear and I would definitely recommend checking it out it's more general it's more broad so it's not just geared towards fathers but it is geared towards men so they have a little bit more of topics like Tanner Guzzi he talks He talked a little bit more about family culture, but typically he would talk about personal appearance and men's appearance. And there's guys that talk about dating and there's guys that just talk about all different stuff that relate to to men. So I might be checking that out in October, I don't know. Um, But I would highly recommend that you check it out. (laughs) So... Yeah that's all I got for you today you know I hope that was helpful I hope you maybe were able to take some notes um, you could always rewind this of course and, and write down anything but I really enjoy taking these notes and having these lessons to pass along and going all the way back to what Ivan it said about creating a book you know some kind of family book. Um, putting some of these types of lessons in that type of book would be really, really powerful to pass on to generations. So that's definitely a lot of food for thought for me uh, or was over the weekend. I'm going to continue to think about that and see how I can implement something like that. Um, So, yeah. So anyway, I, again, hope this was helpful for you. I really appreciate you tuning into the Warrior Dads podcast and I will catch you on the next episode. Have a good one. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again, and keep on being a Warrior Dad.